0: social unrest the state and the white house you are listening to the john DePietro show propane plus for heating and cooling call propane plus today in massachusetts 508 252-3359 in rhode island propane plus number 401 885-4209 Good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com. Propane Plus Heating and Cooling in Massachusetts. Call the Rehoboth office, 508 252 3359, and in, R- in Rhode Island, 401 885 4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. You're listening to the John petro Show, folks. It's AM 1380 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website which is petro.com well we are midweek of uh what is very definitely a, a difficult month it's wednesday it is uh, february 16th and folks right now the situation in ukraine remains fluid you know putin is one of those individuals um listen he's a dangerous individual former kgb uh as they say you have to you don't listen to what they say you watch their actions and as much as look how it already seems he was giving false information oh yeah we'll we'll dial things down we want negotiation we want diplomacy we'll we'll withdraw some of our troops now we're finding out that that's not the case so it is fluid um we're we're gonna need the finest of our military intelligence to navigate through what certainly seems like an imminent imminent invasion of Ukraine with Russian aggression. So that story is very fluid. Now, there's another story closer to home. Yesterday was unusual where you had the mayor of Providence, the police department, and then they had families who lost uh, young men to, to, they were murdered in the city of Providence. And what's unusual about the story is the person who's at the crux of this is the judge. Uh, Kristen rogers now her father was a big judge joe rogers and this is an example i believe of why you don't allow a judge who's leaving the bench to make his daughter a judge um the fact is that you have people very strong cases charged with murder and instead of them waiting at the aci she has them on home confinement uh you know they can say ankle bracelet and everything else but You know, they can still have uh, company over and friends, and then who knows how they could manipulate. Why are they home in their bed when the people they murdered have been buried? So I want to play. This is a um, Channel 10 story regarding this unusual press conference that the city and the police had.
1: There's too many people dying in our streets today. Too many babies. Somebody needs to set an example. Put these monsters behind us. Michelle McNair could barely speak as she talks about her son, 25-year-old Tyreek Grundy, who was shot to death inside a car in Olneyville last May. Quaylen Page was charged for the killing, but granted bond with electronic monitoring and home confinement by Rhode Island Superior Court Judge Kristen Rogers. It's not fair that murderers get to go home.
2: Yep to their families while my son is laying in his grave.
1: It's not right. Providence Mayor Jorge Lorza agrees, saying the police department and attorney general's office urged against it.
0: This is also incredibly demoralizing to law enforcement. Our police department and our detectives worked around the clock in these cases and in others to make sure that we brought the person responsible to justice, had them arrested, and had them behind bars.
1: I reached out to Judge Rogers to ask why a suspect being charged with a capital crime was granted bond. No comment from her, but a court spokesperson said the defendants are off the streets when they are living at home, saying law enforcement knows where they are, and if they violate the arrangement, there will be consequences. The judge has protected the public by taking the defendants off the streets and protected the rights of the defendants pending trial, lest we forget the presumption of innocence that is central to our system of justice mcnair says she knows that bail cannot be overturned in her son's case but says she wants to prevent this from happening to anybody else
0: you know this business of the judge having them on home confinement um you know what is this the aci is filled granted they haven't gone to trial yet but is this a judge that suddenly is going to say that everybody gets to be on home confinement until they actually end up Uh, on trial or maybe if then they're they're found guilty if that if that is the case if the judge wants to completely change that then i believe that the courts and the judge owes it to the public to explain her new policy where no one is held now listen to you know the job's never as easy as people think it is new york city rocked by yet another uh brutal murder young woman followed home just as she was getting to her building in uh, chinatown this homeless guy followed her caught the door followed her into her apartment and killed her in her apartment and now you have mayor adams former police officer came in he was going to crack down on crime he was going to carry a gun he was going to take back the streets listen to his you know this, this is the last thing you want to hear if you're a new yorker listen to the mayor of new york city yesterday
2: we need to really right. stop distorting the news. And you know what, I'm going say this. And, you know, I'm not saying it out of hate. I'm saying it out of love. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me.
0: Oh, my God. Here we go. We got
2: to be honest about that. Ah. Uh. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? Oh,
0: my God.
2: How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written?
0: Oh, my God.
2: How many Asians? Ah. How many East Indians? How many South Asians? Here we go. Everybody talks about my government being diversified. What's the diversification in the newsrooms?
0: Oh, here we go.
2: So everybody go back with their predispositions. And my role as mayor is being interpreted through the prisms of your realities and not mine.
0: Oh my goodness. Wow. So when you
2: write stories, huh? you're not writing stories for people who was almost homeless like me. Wow. You're not writing stories for people who were arrested and beat by police officers.
0: Now it's the media's fault. You're not
2: writing stories from those who are dealing with high crime.
0: Here we go. You're
2: writing from your prisms. Oh. And I'm not saying God. this to attack. But my administration is going to be about saying the obvious that other people are uncomfortable with saying discomfort is growth
0: how about the truth so
2: i say that to all your owners of your papers your editorials diversify your newsroom so you i run can the look city? out and see people that look like me and say we're going to write stories based on the prisms that we have based on the prism of this young man based the on facts? the prism of being the first black woman that's the speaker or jumaane williams based on the prisms of his realities That's not what we're getting. Oh, my goodness. That's not what we're getting. And that's why I'm covered the way I'm covered.
0: You know, what you are now hearing, folks, and again, that is the mayor of New York City. That's very disappointing to hear. People had high hopes he was going to make a dent in crime. What you're now hearing um, from all of this is the fact that, listen, they're trying to say basically that, you know the truth isn't really the truth that's just how you see the truth that's just yours he's you heard him saying that's your prism but that's not listen facts don't have a bias there are certain facts that come into a situation right now when you have a he's upset cuz there's another high profile crime and people want him to do something about it and what is uh, shocking is he seems unprepared to do something about it, people have to be safe. People are tired of the crime. People are tired of people making excuse for the criminals. <clears throat> get more police on the street. let them be more proactive uh, All these people that want to protect and speak up for the homeless um a, a lot of the homeless, how are they homeless? It starts with a drug problem. It starts with a substance abuse problem, could be a drinking problem by and large, more often than not it's it starts with the drug problem, so you're dealing with people that are on the streets because they have a drug problem and now look at the fact that cities want to make drugs more readily available so you're going to have more homeless people we there there needs to be something done about the homeless because in many ways they're just they can be crimes of opportunity and there have been scores of homeless people arrested in new york in la who are then committing crime because so many people now are saying, you know, look at these homeless people on the street and they're harmless, they don't bother anybody, they just want a, a roof, but a lot of them I think it's a false pretense. We we need to end in in uh, help the homeless problem because it's really people that are suffering different types of problems. A lot of times it's a drug problem. So they do need to help. They they can't we can't have this predisposition that oh, it's okay. You know, they're just homeless. They're going along. They're you know it's just it's creating more and more problems and it's also a lot of the homeless people are then end up they're the ones that are involved with these these very high profile crimes that woman Chinatown it's terrible what happened and there have been others and homeless person that pushed another Asian woman onto the tracks uh it's it's one story after another it's not safe something needs to be done about the problem the homeless advocates are not doing anything about it they're not solving it all right, folks, we have a lot ahead on this Wednesday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401 401- 272 3340. They are located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting, and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Autobody today. 401 272 3340. They'll handle everything for you the original, the best, and If you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401-272-3340. Ian McGowan.
3: Yes. Sorry about that. There you are.
0: All right. Now I can hear you. All right. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. 99.9. Joining us right now from the Boston Globe is Dan McGowan. And, uh, Dan McGowan, you had a big prediction on the PC Friars. It was still a tremendous night for the city and a sold-out rocking dunk. But, the uh, boy, that was a tough one to lose, the Friars coming up short against Villanova.
3: Yeah, I was, I was hoping for a 30-point-plus win. Wow. Uh, uh you know, I I will say it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Obviously, Villanova's a an elite program. I think what PC showed last night is that they can compete with, you know, a, a program that is Villanova's won two national titles in the last eight years, right? Yep. So uh that's a real program. Uh, you know, they're very well coached. They're the class of the big east. And you know what? PC still controls their own destiny because they go to Villanova in a couple of weeks. If they were to win out, they still win the Big East regular season for the first uh, for the first time ever. And, and you know, uh, John, the cooler thing for, I think, the state and for the city is downtown was just jumping last night. You know, yep. you get an 8 o'clock game, so you had people going out, uh, getting dinner, getting drinks. You know, right. the city felt very much alive, and it's been a long time since that. I mean, you and I have discussed this. People forget, even before COVID, there was – you know, I think a real concern about what was going on in downtown Providence. But when PC is good, um, you know, they, they really do. And, uh, you know, they really can kind of, uh, uh, you know, put some energy into that downtown. And you saw it even, I mean, even just last over the weekend, last weekend, you know, you beat DePaul, which is not the biggest game of the world. But once again, downtown was jumping because PC yeah. is good.
0: It it is, and it, it really establishes as um, as uh, the Friars are like the the local professional yes. team. Uh, when you have that type of atmosphere, they just you know what, and it's it's a loss like this. You still have the Big East tournament. Yep. You still have you know the, obviously they're going to be well seated with the March Madness, and NCAA. So hopefully, you know, there were some mistakes at the end that uh, that hopefully they could correct. But it's it's still an exciting team. It's probably the best thing going in the city right now and really even the state for that matter Dan McGowan just as, as you know there's been a tough couple of months huge difference having the students in there there's real pride between, well, you know, I'll, I'll go, and well
3: I'll go I'll go one further for you John I, th- I think it is the best story going on and I think Ed Cooley uh is and, you know if people debate if you're really into sports you debate whether he's a good in-game coach or not things like that but Ed Cooley there was a moment last night about 10 minutes to go in the game where fans are getting a little wild. Somebody throws something on the court and Ed Cooley grabs the microphone. and says, Look, you know, you gotta be quiet. And for a couple of, let's say 30 seconds, a minute, that place was dead quiet. Because coach Cooley commands respect. And I think it's a, it's a cool thing for a guy who's from this city, you know, who is going to get very real looks. I think, You know, if PC goes goes out and ends up a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament, maybe wins a game or two, um, Ed Cooley is going to be, you know, one of the kind of the hot coaches on the market. He already has been in the past. Uh, And so, you know, he's going to have a decision to make, and it's nice. You know, I think we should almost uh, really kind of take it in and kind of root for him while we have him, because it is possible that he will not be here, uh, you know, forever.
0: Just so listeners understand, in a situation like that, the home team could actually get a technical that's right and that's why you know it was on uh, it also just shows the relationship you're exactly right he has he he entered the the building through the student section yep. so he gets them kind of behind him they certainly don't boo or anything like that and there's even talk to Dan McGowan that he may end up getting coach of the year because yeah. of how well he's he's done with these teams so no that is has been a, a huge bonus um in in you know, if, if PC can make it to, like, the Sweet 16, that's, like, incredibly exciting. It'll really light up the city. Uh, I'm very, very happy for the program. And, um, and again, that, that is a, a big-time game that came to the dunk, and it really, like, electrifies the entire state. Um, Dan McGowan, let's talk about the big news that that came out uh, on Friday, and that is that former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung has entered the race uh, came out with a logo that immediately had people yeah. talking, nice and simple. And then your former colleague, Ted, Ted Nisi, even did like a little timeline of Fung, you know, drops it at 110, and before 130, Seth, Seth Magazine was already attacking him. You also wrote an interesting piece about Mayor Fung. This could have gone a different way uh, 20 years ago. But I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the announcement and then just the reaction Uh, I also noticed that Magazine was the only one that reacted to it on the Democrat side.
3: Yeah, well, the the behind the scenes on the, you know, what's going on on the Democratic side is very interesting because there are a lot of folks, both candidates and kind of party insiders who are really put off by the idea that Seth Magaziner is essentially acting as though he has already won the primary and is, you know, is focused on... Uh, you know, on Alan Fung, it's really interesting because I think a lot of us, and you and I included, would say, you know, if I'm Alan Fung, his best bet is to already be thinking about the general, right? Already think about, you know, the positions he needs to take that, you know, Democrats will, you know, will be comfortable with and how to win and, and all that stuff. And of course, he's going to have his own primary, but, you know, he, he has a little bit of a challenge there. But uh, really, it, it's Seth Magaziner that's actually doing that, already looking ahead to that. Um, you know, to that general election, came out really firing at, at Fung. It shows you how strong I think everybody believes uh, Mayor Fung is in this race. I mean, it's no secret to you and I, but, uh, you know, you really look at this. I mean, he, he is going to be, um, you know, I, th- I do think he will win the primary, and I think he's a very clear favorite. Now, it doesn't mean it's a definite, again, Rhode Island's a blue state. Things can happen. You know, who knows what happens sort of with the, the way the, thing, the the country goes and, and, you know, what does President Trump, you know, say or do? What does Joe Biden do, of course, now? But um, I think it's I think Alan Fong is dominating the conversation. In fact, in some ways, it's it's almost like for the first time, at least in his statewide kind of career, Yep. Alan Fung is actually the favorite here. That's right. He, he yeah. has, and he has to really deal with, with that. You know, it's a different level of pressure when you're running against, you know, the first time you're running against Gina, who's, you know, who, who's this kind of rock star fundraiser. Well, the second time you're running against an incumbent. So you're of course disadvantaged now, you know, he, he's the one with the spotlight on him. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how the other, how his opponents in the primary, um, you know, kind of approach that. And then I, I do think Seth Magaziner believes his strategy is to just, you know, acknowledge that there is a primary, but really focus on Alan Fong.
0: Dan McGowan, there's also a uh, talk, I believe, that uh, even another candidate yeah. may emerge. We, we have Joy Fox, who did kind of a, you know, going around the district, uh, released the video and so forth. Then you have Ed Pacheco. You have the Omar. Uh, bah, bah,
3: yep, bah, yeah.
0: Okay, and then you have, there's another... Lesser-known candidates, but then, I believe now this uh, this woman who is it Ruth Mitt Morgenthal, who her mother ran for the seat against Claudine Schneider in the eighties.
3: Yeah, it's Sarah Morgenthal. Her mother, Sarah Morgenthal. Yeah, her mother okay. Ruth was the well, yeah, was the Democratic nominee in ni- in nineteen eighty-eight in the same district. Uh, you know, and I don't know. I, I would be lying to you if I told you I've ever met this woman or, or know anything about her other than what her resume is. It is a good resume. I think she's a Columbia law grad. Uh, you know, has worked in works in D.C. works in the Commerce Department now. Was a fundraiser for uh, Obama in 2012. Wow. Helped out with the, the Biden folks, um, you know, in 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 the last election. And so, you know, has some ties to uh, you know two major Democrats. I think from everything I'm hearing, she has a little bit of old money. She has fundraising ability. She can be a serious candidate and. Uh, there's no question that she's, you know, ma- I guess moving pieces around the, the chess board to run. She registered to vote here just last week in the second congressional district. She, she and her husband own a home, uh, here, uh, in Nargan- or North Kingstown, excuse me. Um, you know, she's from what I understand. She's bought a couple of you know, campaign websites, uh, so you know she's putting the pieces in place. I think that shows you that while Seth Magaziner wants to look ahead to the general, I think there are a lot of candidates who are saying this thing is uh, it's it's as wide open as it as it has been in a really long time, and folks are not necessarily scared off by kind of the Magaziner
1: train.
0: Um, Dan McGowan, going back to the the Fung rollout, what did I just hear your thought on, uh, you know, the logo, the approach um, back um, so far, you know, declining any in interviews, uh, a little curious making the announcement on a Friday, but at least, it, you know, got it out there and he filed um, any any thoughts or what's what are you hearing or reaction to just that?
3: Yeah, you know, I think it it came out relatively well. I think we live in a new, kind of a new age of campaign rollouts that, you know, people are, to some degree, still concerned about COVID. Um, You know, if you have the big, you know, I remember Alan Fung very well in 14, you know, announcing at Keiko and having a big event. And yeah. you do that now, you get Dan McGowan to raise his hand and say, Hey, don't you think that folks should have a mask on? <laughs> or, or right. you know, some version of that. So, doing it online, right? The, I think everybody who was kind of already in the know knew this was coming at some point. I think he needed to kind of start to really put the, um, you know, the fund, the, press the, the gas pedal to, to, to fundraise. So, you know, look, he dominated the conversation. Whenever you, announce and 15 minutes later you're getting attacked um that's a good sign for you because it means that's you right. ma- it means you matter yeah. uh you know with respect to some of these other candidates you're not you know I, I will tell you this i'm not getting pitched a lot of opposition research on ed pacheco right now right uh you know uh or bob lancey or anybody else right it's it, the focus is on alan Fong. Um, and, and he's going to have to kind of learn how to deal with that. Um, and he's had mixed, you know, mixed experience with this. Look, I think he's the favorite. I also think uh, he has to be a much more disciplined candidate than he was in 2018. So yeah. this is not a slam dunk for him. And with the increased pressure on him kind of as the star, as the shiny thing in this race, um, you know, he, I think he's going to, even more have to really focus on you know not stepping in it when it comes to policy stuff, not you know getting too silly and, and having you know petty fights either within the party or at the Democrats. He has to really focus on that but uh, so I mean I thought the rollout was pretty good. Uh, Friday was the only thing I questioned too Friday afternoon is, a strange time to announce something because it doesn't really mean you you know you don't get a lot going you know through the weekend it's not like a lot of people were buzzing about Alan Fung over the weekend
0: right folks quick break a lot more Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro show the problem with your heating system call R.E. Coogan Heating today 401-732-6562 24-hour emergency service gas boiler oil burner Coogan Heating, 401 732 6562. They're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time service calls maintenance agreements installation re coogan heating proud to help residential customers and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority call them today now it's cold it's going to remain cold call coogan heating today 401-732-6562 it's coogie it's 24-hour emergency service hey not long ago our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is com. We're speaking with Dan McGowan, columnist for the Boston Globe. Dan, you have in Roadmap today uh, Governor McKee. Well, a couple of things about the governor. Number one, apparently next week he's finally going to do his yeah. announcement that he's running for governor. But also, um, boy, it it is so unusual. And I was trying to explain to someone, you just the amount of money that is flying around and floating around. And my God, every time uh, you turn around, he's having a press conference and and giving out more money or new construction or things like that. Now, he's he's apparently, I guess, having uh, a press conference with the the head of the schools as far as the superintendent uh, regarding. You know even more talk about schools but touch on uh, governor mckee for a moment
3: yeah yeah so i mean first of all you're right education
0: think, commissioner i'm sorry yeah yeah
3: yeah um uh first of all yeah i, I think uh i can confirm to it what, what, what i think my former colleague ted nisi reported that yeah i think governor mckee is going to at least have some version of a rollout for his campaign for governor no surprise uh he's but he has had to put it off a little bit he'll do it next week Um, Not sure if it's going to be a big event or not, but I think he's going to, you know, formally enter the race uh, uh, next week. And, you know, you're right. This this is the thing that he, the the power of incumbency, uh, especially in good times financially, you get to just have press conference after press conference of we're going to rebuild roads and bridges, billion dollars here Yep. We're going to, you know, give out all this rescue plan money, you know, billion dollars there, uh, even down to, you know, today he'll be at a, a school in Providence where they're going to talk about the school construction, Look, school construction, uh, the bond back in 2018, $250 million, widely supported statewide. I think it was generally had bipartisan support. Um, and, he, you know, he's proposing it again. He wants to do another $250 million. So, you know, anytime you could. Uh, have these conversations, uh, you know, as the incumbent governor, you're going to take every advantage. And he's somebody who I think he needs to, um, and somebody told me this yesterday, he's a guy who isn't going to go out there and, you know, he's not going to win over the press as we know, as you and I talked about, Um, he needs to have wins and almost, he, he almost needs to buy the media And what I mean by that, you know, usually we think commercials, we think, you know, paid media, but in this case, it's it's a little, it's the same idea though, is, you know, if you're, if you're always announcing hundreds of millions of dollars in new funding for new projects, you're you're almost always going to get kind of a positive story out of it, right? right? You know, channel six, channel 10, channel 12, they're all going to cover it. You know, you get, you get a lot of B-roll, you get a lot of that stuff. And it starts to reinforce this conversation that, wow, you know, he's he doesn't seem so bad. He's He's got all this money. He's giving it out. He's doing all this stuff. And I think he's going to try to take advantage of that, you know, for the next several months so that he doesn't have to, you know, spend all of his campaign money on commercials, at least not yet.
0: Dan McCauver, why, why do you think – how come he's not doing better? Uh, because you would think, as I said, this is unprecedented, basically $2 billion between – the surplus and the COVID money, but he still seems to be struggling. uh You know. Then, you know, first you had Channel Twelve uh, d- did the story on, on the fact about you know the the millions and that controversy. Then we learned that also he got Channel Twelve again got the internal memo that shows that he's still planning on giving bonuses to state workers, even though it's it's not going to come out of COVID money. It's going to be the the general fund. I think that's one of the reasons he was so upset, and he attacked them that Friday on the radio. But yeah. uh, why, why do you, why do you think? How come? Because I just get the sense that he's he's not doing great. He's uh, a lot of people kind of go after him on social media. I don't see a lot of people defend him on social media. I'm not saying that's the only barometer, but there was a time that you saw kind of Gina Raimondo turn the corner, and yeah, you could just sense she was doing better, and people were really kind of coming to her defense. Why do you think he's not doing better?
3: Well, lots to unpack there in some ways. Yeah. What I would say is one thing, and, and I can't, there's, I'm working on uh, a, a, sort of a tip. It's not a big deal. But a, uh, you're going to see a, a little bit of a staff shakeup, I think, internally. Um, and, and a fairly high-profile person get hired um, by the governor. And, and the, I think what you should start to see, if I'm the governor, it, it touches on what you were just saying. There's just nobody out there who defends the guy. Yeah. Um, it, you know, his, his campaign or his spokespeople they are not very strong at this, quite honestly. They're all I'm sure they're all nice people. Yeah. But what you don't have is kind of the heavy to be able to come out who somebody with credibility, whether it's internal or external, who can say, you know, hey, Give this guy a break. You know he's a good guy. You need a little more, probably, of a, of the you know the Joe Policinas to kind of step up and help him if they're going to support him for governor. I think you're going to see this a little bit with some uh you know some staffing changes that, like I said, are on the way. So I think there's that factor. Then there's a couple other things. One, let's certainly not discount that the national climate is just a bad place, a bad place for Democrats. True. Um, I think I think even if even if we had a pre- president Trump still in office you know, COVID fatigue, all this stuff, you'd have, you know, I think you'd still have a, uh, an electorate overall that was, you know, that is just unhappy, antsy, angry, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's a factor. Um, But he, he does, he just, I think the governor struggles. He never capitalizes off any of these big announcements. You never feel like they're his right. Even this, you know, school bond, uh, kind of thing, again, widely popular, you know, in, in most communities in the state. I don't know. To me, that's a Gina Raimondo, Seth Magazine right. project, right? Yeah. Uh, and so he's got to kind of figure out how to do this. And, you know, the, to his – some in some ways, to his credit, he is a strangely humble guy for a guy who's a high-profile politician. He's not the kind of person that likes to go out there and say – I'm the one doing this. He likes to announce it and kind of hope that everyone understands that he's the person, but guess what? We all have short attention spans. Like if I'm the governor and I'm in the fight of my life to, you know, to win a race, I'm going out there and saying, this is my decision. Uh, You know, forget the general assembly, forget the everybody. I'm the one that's in charge here. And he just hasn't done that. So I think that combination of not having any, whether it's internal or external validators, I never, John, I never get a call from anybody, you know, deeply defending anything the governor does, whether it's right well, or wrong, Yeah. It, when, when he's got his against the wall. I mean, normally the way these things work, whenever Gina Raimondo had, you know, a, a scandal, let's say the UHIP debacle, right? You know, hundreds of millions of dollars, people standing in line, you know, waiting for their benefits, You'd get calls from people, you know, who were supporters of hers would say, you know, this could be way worse. Things are going, you know, you're, you're not giving, you're not seeing this part of it. And sometimes it would be nonsense, obviously, but there, there were people willing to do it. Right now, you don't have that. So I think that's a factor. I think the national climate, and then I just think his kind of personality. You don't know what he stands for. And now we're a year into this, right? I mean, he'll, right. He'll, it'll be a year next, what, a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and you just don't quite know, you know, what he, you know, how he's defined at this point.
0: I, I think that is an excellent uh, assessment of him. And on top of that, Tim McGowan, you know, he, he did have his right-hand guy, Tony Silva, and then he lost him in August to the controversy. He's never replaced as no one really that has that on the staff. I think, um, I think also Gina Raimondo had not only people around her, but even some reps that sometimes would kind of step up in, yep. in defense of her. Uh, uh, well, and, in fact, and Governor it, McKeith is someone that's been around as long as he has. He, if anything, the person that he seemed very tight with was that Lou De Palma. That he always seems to now be, taking shots at that's right that's right so that lieutenant governor process kind of burned a lot of people
3: yeah i mean i think in hindsight if he if he doesn't uh if he doesn't get elected later this year um you know there will be many things to say oh this was a turning point this was a turning point that lieutenant governor search process which offended lots of people um and which you know I think it offended the people who wanted to be the Lieutenant governor and the rest yeah. of us kind of rolled our eyes at it. You know, yeah. that won him uh, no support in, in, in many ways. So I think that was, you know, a very real factor. And it is, you know, I, I can't, it, it, the, the interesting part about when you look at the kind of internal dynamics in in Rhode Island politics, right. So right now they're all Democrats. So, you know, they're all in theory on the same team, but it used to be when, when you had Gina Raimondo in kind of one camp and then Nick Mattiello in the other, right. You know, the, the people there, they would, pl- you know, we'd, everybody would play kind of reporters off of one another. And right. you know, y- you'd have people working behind the scenes to say, Hey, you know, if you're in Gina's office, you say, you won't believe what Mattiello did today. And then you'd have yeah. the Mattiello people doing the same thing right now. The, the way it works you don't have anybody doing good or bad press in, in any way for Governor McKee and you've got you know Speaker Shikarchi kind of getting a free pass from everybody because he's yeah. a guy who you know, he, he's affable and he's not yeah. you know he's a he's a gossip in, in the way that he he likes to talk about Rhode Island politics but he's not somebody who's considered vindictive. He's not out there kind of spreading anything about you know Governor McKee but he's kind of sitting back with his you know with his feet up saying, Wait, this job's not so bad. I don't know why all these speakers ever you know, right. thought it was stressful because he's having a great run.
0: But he also brought in two seasoned professionals. That's who, right. Uh, both Ray Simone as chief of staff, and then Henry Kinch. You don't hear, you know, he's got a formidable team. You don't hear any controversy, any type of, uh, you know, allegations of anything regarding Speaker Sakachi Mattiello. That's an excellent point. He was a very good foil for uh, for Gina Raimondo yes. and all the all her allies, but. That lieutenant governor competition and wouldn't release the list and just seemed totally unprepared for it. And then, you you know, several people came forward and said he had kind of promised it to them and then they didn't get it. Uh, And now it's coming back. Folks, another quick break. A lot more Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on The John DiPietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401 521 zero two hundred four oh one five two one zero two hundred henry oil serving most rhode island and southeastern mass automatic delivery budget plans service contracts lock and cap pricing you can depend on henry oil call them today 401-521-0200 reliable affordable fuel oil delivery fuel fuel oil diesel gasoline delivery residential and commercial it's henry oil Give them a call since 1947 you can depend on henry oil call them today make henry oil your oil provider 401-521-0200 401-521-0200 remember online at henryoil.com go with the original go with the best it's henry oil we're speaking with dan mcgowan columnist of the boston globe Dan, just finishing up on the race for governor um, right now, how do you view Helena Folk's couple statements here or there? Uh Nelly Govea to me, the Secretary of State, seems to be a little more consistent. Um Matt Brown, I still don't understand other than he, you know, came out and issued a press release against uh the the mask ending in school on March fourth, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of movement in the Democrat primary for governor.
2: Yeah, this is uh, just
3: very flat out. This is boring. Yeah. <laughs> so far, it's boring. And it, 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 it's interesting because normally what happens with these things is, you know, the candidates start to kind of put together whatever they, they think about policy. And then they kind of badger us into reporting on it, right? Oh, if you're a serious reporter, you'll cover my economic development, you know, thing. Or, you know, for for me, for years, whenever there isn't like a you know a heady education story to talk about, I'd suddenly be you know the best friend of you know candidate Fung or candidate Ramondo because it was you know oh we want to bring you in and and tell you all about our great idea so that you can tell the world, right? That stuff is not happening at all. There's very little kind of policy floating around. It's a lot of uh, a running by press release in, in many ways. Um, you know, the thing with Helena Folks that, that I'm finding very interesting, and I've started to think about this. She's—it's almost as though she's running this very kind of old school campaign of
2: yeah.
3: of, of you know I'm I'm only going to speak when I really want to, and it, it's it's very it kind of reminds me a little bit of what ter- what happened with Terry McAuliffe. Uh, down in Virginia, it's, you know, I've got these high priced advisors, and I'm not going to really go out on a, on a limb on anything. You know, once in a while, I'm going to take a, you know, a swipe at, uh, at the governor, and that's an easy thing to do. And I'll get a couple of likes on Twitter. But it's, it, there's not a lot of substance there. No. The, ch- the challenge is, is that for these other candidates for, let's say, a Nelly Gorbea, of course, have Matt Brown still trying to figure out what he's doing, know there's gonna come a point relatively quickly where helena folks is going to suddenly be the only thing you're seeing on television uh you know she's gonna buy a lot of ads and you're gonna really she's gonna really step that up and then you're gonna have all these other candidates saying you know complaining about coverage and about you know how, how how she's trying to buy the race but right now in this in this moment where it's about as equal as, as anything can be because you're no one's really spending a ton of money. The, the other candidates, Governor included, but Nelly you know, especially, they're just not winning very many news cycles. They're not, no. you know, you don't know what Nelly Gorbea stands for. You don't know what Helena stands for. You at least know with Matt Brown, you know he's the progressive right. you yes. know, candidate. Um, but, you, you know, th- these other guys, they haven't had a great way to define themselves. And it starts to, you, know, you start to look at it and you think, Boy, well, if, if Governor McKee is going to always get the the you know the attention that a governor gets, and if Helena Folks is going to spend all the money to buy lots of attention, you know you wonder if those two actually start to crowd everybody out, and it really becomes just kind of a matchup of those two. But uh, you know until we see more out of Helena Folks, it's hard to say you know whether she's you know the the front runner or the furthest back.
0: Yeah, I think they're also finding how difficult it is to campaign during during COVID. You know the pictures of here I am in Jamestown. Uh, she's in the store. She has a mask on. <laughs> she's talking to a woman who doesn't have a mask on. Is that a customer? Is that the owner? Uh, what are they discussing? Right. Here's another picture of me talking to two people in the photo have masks on. I mean it's there's no excitement at all. Uh there's no sense of a buzz or you don't get a sense of boy I don't think I can recognize anyone this. I, I think it's very, very challenging. Um and and hopefully it'll because you're exactly right. It's boring. And game again when you think about it, it really shouldn't be out of the question that the first debate could be coming up maybe in you know two months away in May. Maybe that's what this race is going to need to kind of Really get things going because otherwise, right now, it it is seemingly Dan McKee that's just getting all the attention.
3: Yeah, debates and polling are the things that I think you know we're all waiting to kind of see because we you know that will at least give us kind of a starting place from you know where everybody stands. I'm fascinated. I mean, does Dan McKee debate? Is he willing to? You know, I I think he has to. But if we all agree, I think you would agree with this. Channel 12 kind of runs the best operation over there when it comes to debates. If 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 I'm Governor McKee. You know, I'm I'm probably at least thinking in the back of my head. Maybe I'll maybe I'll snub them. Maybe I won't debate. Wow. I think it would be a huge mistake for him to do that. But I, I I think it's something. I think it's the kind of way he thinks. I'm interested in in, in that. Um, and you're right. I mean, I, I'm waiting just to see. I was telling somebody yesterday, I was talking to somebody about the Providence mayoral race. Same thing. Very low key. Very quiet. You know, I can remember back in 20, late 2013, early 2014. This is before, you know, we all thought Buddy might run, but it was before Buddy. I mean, now this was my full-time job, so maybe it was that, but I was going by February. I remember because right. I think it started Martin Luther King Day, actually. Yep. There, was, there was a debate, a candidate forum, I mean, three, four times a week, uh, uh, you know, at this point in 2014. So you had all those Democrats running against each other. Um, you know, we haven't seen any of that really in any races. And yeah, I do think COVID is, is part of it, but the candidates, we just don't really know very much about any of them and they're not, you know, I mean, how many stories can you do about the, you know, the two term secretary of state or the CVS executive? You just, we need to know where they are on issues and, and and that kind of thing before we really start to have a, a race that looks in any way interesting.
0: Folks, again, we of with Dan McGonagall of the Boston Globe. And Dan, you know Providence uh, is well, if not better than anyone. That was you have. There's a story in today's Boston Globe. That how unusual was that press conference yesterday at the Public Safety Complex with the Providence Police and then the families of young men that had been killed. And then you have this judge, Kristen Rogers, who who uh, who let them out on bail. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that.
3: I mean, I can't think of maybe any time at least in my career that I've seen a sitting the sitting mayor of Providence, yeah. you know, be that I think aggressive towards yeah. a towards a judge. Um, it shows you the the high level of kind of frustration that I think, you know, in the background on this story is of course there's been there's been there were a couple of uh shooter shooter murder or people charged with murder um who you know were released on bail um, which is not always the case. In fact, it's not no. normal at all.
0: In home confinement, right. In home
3: confinement, right. And, uh, and you know, the I, think the I think the city is is just is fed up. It's interesting because, you know, you think of the mayor as this, you know, v- liberal guy who, you know, yeah, likes but... to change the way, but when, when it comes down to, you know, his constituents being killed uh, and you've got grieving parents, boy, he took a, I think he took a very, a harsh approach Uh, and in the right one. I mean, I haven't exactly formed an opinion on this, but, but I would say, it seems to me like the right uh, side uh, uh, that the mayor is on here.
0: Not only that, but as, as you were saying, um, just think of how that must've like come together where like, that's how frustrated they are um, that, that the judge let these two out on home confinement and then to bring the, you know, the families forward and then go through and, I just don't I can't recall the last time um, that you you had a judge who was under fire in this way and not because they even, you know, did anything or, you know, obviously some people wondering why if there's criminals on the streets. But but just the fact on on home confinement, that took a lot for a progressive mayor. Mayor Alorza to then be there and be so aggressive against the judge.
3: Yeah. And from what I'm hearing behind the scenes, this wasn't, uh, I mean, all things that politicians do in some ways are photo ops or looking for attention. But uh, from, from what I've heard, the mayor has been pretty vocal and upset about this kind of internally in recent weeks. Um, and I don't know what the tipping point was, you know, cause they have to think about it. You, you, even let's say in the police department where I'm sure there was lots of support for, you know, for doing this, they do have to weigh, boy, we have to go in from other judges, you know, you, you, there, there's a code there, right? You, you don't, you don't like to attack uh, the judges, because who knows what it, you know, will, will you get paid back in a different way by a different judge, or, you know, will this, remember, those judges are there forever. Um, and so I think there, there always is, it, it, you know, is that thing in the back of their heads to get to this point, to hold a press conference and, and do this with the, you know, the public safety commissioner and the mayor and the families, Boy, that that's a different level of frustration that you that that you don't normally see from uh, you know the mayor of Providence,
0: folks. In today's global, also, there's an interesting uh, story about Josh McDaniel leaving the Patriots, and then I I uh, that fish that that washed up that turns out to be like a looks like a prehistoric fish yeah. that, that uh, washed up is also interesting. But Dan McGowan, also, what's your t- what's your, your take on this debate on uh, voting? That there's a, a good story about in the Globe where you you basically had. Uh, State Senator Tara Mack, who's very outspoken against voter ID. And then you had someone who's for now has jumped into the race for CD2, Jessica de la Cruz, and this argument over voter ID in Rhode Island.
3: You know, I think it's one of those things that's a fun conversation, but is probably going to get no movement whatsoever. Um, You know, Rhode Island is, Rhode Island is unique in that it's a democratic, a very blue state that passed a voter ID law. Now, Rhode Island's voter ID law is, I mean, it's supported, it maybe it may not publicly, but it, it is, you know, privately tolerated by even folks like Common Cause, right? John yeah. Marion, the executive director there, you know, is not somebody who is, uh, you know, overly critical of the, the voter ID. So, you know, Rhode Island, yes, is a voter ID state. It is a very lenient voter ID state. I don't know that I've ever heard of an example, not a single time where somebody has told me, you know, I was affected by not voting because I didn't have an ID, right? That, right. It's not the the biggest deal in the world. It's a progressive movement, you know, kind of play here. But my guess is that it's not something that's going to really, uh, you know, be, it's it's certainly not at the top of Speaker Chikarchi or Senate President no. uh list. I think it's more of, you know, it's a fun thing for us to talk about, but probably not going to go anywhere.
0: Yeah, I think it's also, um, I mean, I remember when that went through. I had Anastasia Williams on. I mean, she was really one of the ones that was
3: pushing it. That's but right. I think
0: for uh, Senator Mack, you know, w- when, when you have someone like uh, Tara Mack, or you also heard it from Helena Folks, where they take out almost like these national talking points and they try to use it uh, here. I-, I just don't think it works. I don't think it applies. I think they have to be cautious with some of the rhetoric they throw around. Folks, you hear me mention each morning. Uh, I start off Monday through Friday. You get an email. It's called Roadmap. Uh, It's grown uh, wildly in popularity. You get links to all the stories of the day. There's also some of off the cuff stuff as we mentioned like dan mcgowan making a prediction uh (laughs) regarding the pc game or and uh folks listen right now and dan mcgowan how can someone listening be able to get roadmap each day
3: yeah john we're by by election day we'll be at a hundred thousand subscribers uh wow you know and and obviously we we get a little bit of a you know a national reach or at least a, a regional reach but. You know, lots, lots of people and in, in part, thanks to you letting me do this every week. Folks, if if you want to get it every single weekday, uh, first thing in the morning, it's completely free. And all you have to do right now is just send me a blank email. You don't have to write anything in it other than to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. And you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning.
0: Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan, great job as always. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's My Health because it's your health. But It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's My Health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like Icai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health because it's your health stop it and see marie 1099 mendon road in cumberland to check out our website dipetro.com dipetro.com which is sponsored by and brought you by the centredale revival comfort food and cocktails located 2025 smith street in north providence shane and his crew what a wonderful job they've done winner of several rhode island best of awards best of rhode island awards the Senadale revival Delicious food, cocktails, a lot of fun. Stop in and see them, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence.